Welcome back to Love, Lust, and Magic. As always, I'm so grateful you're here today and so excited to share this week's episode with you. I had the incredible opportunity to talk to the iconic occultists, Damien Eccles and Aaron Oasis, who together created the school of magic and occultism called Magnum Opus. In this episode, we talk about so many beautiful expressions of magic. Damien and Aaron both share the synchronicities around how they met and what their relationship means to one another. They talk about their own practices with magic, how sacred spaces like churches and museums can be places of inspiration and spirituality. And both of these incredible practitioners share what magic means to them and how they live their practice. I interviewed this duo in July before they led a retreat in October. And obviously the the retreat has already happened, so you can't take it. But I decided to leave that part of the interview in the show because there's so much wisdom that both Aaron and Damien talk about in relation to this retreat. So I'm really, really excited to share this. If you're an occultist, if you're a student of the Western mysteries, if you are a witch looking to expand their practice, this is the episode for you. I'm so grateful to have been able to talk to both of these incredible, incredible men and I learned so much just with this conversation, and I hope that you all enjoy it as much as I did. And I'll see you on the other side. So you guys, welcome so much to Love, Lust, and Magic. You are both powerful magicians, occult practitioners, you know, artists in your own right. Damien, you've written numerous books on magic, and Aaron, you also have a lot of experience in different kind of magical orders. So my first question is, can you tell us about how you guys met and came to start Magnum Opus, your magical school together? first i don't i don't even know who you're referring to with that intro I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and neither um, of us know what we're doing at it, all yeah so. just I, yeah i thought you were going to introduce us as witness. um i i think you know my magical journey started when i was really young you know probably seven or eight years old and i first you know heard the word magic i saw Mm -hmm. it in the back of one of my grandmother's tabloids it was like an ad (laughs) for a book you know and it was something terrible i can't even remember exactly what it was but it was something along the lines of like send 5.99 off and you can learn the secrets of the universe you know something like that i didn't know what magic was you know from at that age it could have been harry potter stuff for all i knew but something about it at that young age there are very very few things in this world or in this life that have ever spoken to me like in a way that has lasted throughout my life and that Mm -hmm. i became obsessed with but that was one of them even if i didn't know what magic was it was like for the very first time in my life i sort of came online like something in me came alive I wouldn't really start practicing until I was, you know, in my teenage years. And even then, it's sort of what most people do, you know, like people that go to church but only really pray whenever they, 
you know, need something or something's going wrong in their life or whatever it was, I sort of looked at magic the same way. I didn't realize, you know, that it was an actual path yet, that it was like mm-hmm. this spiritual journey and that there were mile markers that you were supposed to meet along the way and a destination you were trying to reach. And I thought it was just like, as cheesy as it sounds, like in, in New Age terminology, I thought it was all about just like manifesting stuff or, mm-hmm. you know, um, another kind of religion. Uh, but whenever I went to prison, that was whenever I really, really, like, completely and absolutely committed myself to this work and this path and started to understand more of what it actually was. You know, that it wasn't something you just pull out once a month or when things aren't going right this is supposed to be something you do like calisthenics or like brushing your teeth and taking care of hygiene it's something you do every single day Mm -hmm. because it keeps you spiritually healthy contributes to like your mental emotional and spiritual growth and development all these sorts of things so i was doing that in prison you know every single day doing elemental magic doing planetary magic stuff like that uh and then whenever i got out of prison you know, something in me was shattered for a very long time. Like, I could not do magic at all. When I got out of prison, I had a complete and absolute nervous breakdown. Went from doing like eight hours of, of energetic work a day, ritual work a day, to being able to do none whatsoever. And then I sort of gradually had to start over from scratch. And yeah. then one day, uh, I got contacted, I think, wasn't it through Facebook? Didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I get an email oh. in, in from or, or a Facebook message, whatever you call them, one day. And normally, you know, keep in mind, I, I hear from a lot of people. Yeah. And a lot of them are crazy. <laughs> Some of them, you know, most of them have good intentions. But it's just like all over the spectrum, all over the map. And, and it happens so frequently that I just kind of got to a point where I didn't even really pay attention to those things anymore much less respond to them but it was one of those times in my life whenever i saw this message something in me said this is important and it was a a message from aaron and he was inviting me to uh, uh a masonic lodge in new york to hear a friend of his who was doing a lecture on energetic healing um and normally, you know, by that time, I had reached a point where I would usually 99.9% of the time say no. You know, I, I figured it was going to be the same thing it always is. Like, it's going to be a meeting in the back of some new age crystal shop or something like that. And, you know, I was figuring this isn't, this is going to be something I've seen a million times and I'm going to walk away from it disappointed or whatever it is. But I just had this nagging feeling like this is important in some mm. way. So... I responded and we met at the Masonic Lodge and it was, uh, honestly, it changed the trajectory of my entire life, not just my magical pride. Like I I cannot emphasize to you enough, like the magnitude um, of the effect that Aaron's presence Mm. had on my life and, and how much he contributed to like my own journey and growth and all of those you know everything like there's no way that i can come close to articulating it and it it wasn't just a one-time thing you know it's like every single time we would come together for years after that every single time it was like 
something special or amazing would always happen that would send me off in some new direction. It would give me a piece that I needed or fill in a blank, a, a, a spot that I had been struggling with that I didn't quite understand or, you know, didn't know the direction that I should go next, whatever it was. It was like every single time we came together. I guess the words I'm looking for, the way I usually think of it, is divine intervention. Mm-hmm. Every single time we came together, it was almost like there was a form of divine intervention that would send me off um, in some new way. And I'm going to shut up and let, let him talk for a second, <laughs> just because I always thought it was kind of interesting. Like he told me later, like the first time he ever came across me, whenever he saw me for the first time, whatever. And I always thought that was kind of an interesting story, too. But I'm going to shut up and let him go. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um so years ago i was actually i'm a musician and i went on tour with a group called the super suckers when i was a kid out of seattle right damien they're from seattle yep so these guys were big proponents of uh damien's case and that's the first time i remember seeing his face because they made up a bunch of t-shirts for the west memphis three and um, I kind of, I, I vaguely remembered this, but then I think back in like 2009, 2010, a friend of mine, and this is when Damien was still in prison, uh, and a friend of mine showed me the documentaries. I'd never seen them mm-hmm. before. And we sat and watched them together. And I remember, I, I watched these documentaries and I remember seeing Damien and he mentioned something kind of in passing about ritual magic. Mm-hmm. And I told my friend at that time, and mind you, this is when he was still in prison. And I told my friend at the time, I was like, I know I'm going to know this guy one day and we're going to be friends. And he was like, oh, all right, dude, whatever, man. Okay, you're nuts. You know? <laughs> um, but I was so certain of this. And then it turned out that we were both working on this music festival down in Texas uh, in, indirectly in different respects. And um, I shot him that message on Facebook. I was like, you know what? I saw him on Facebook. He like popped up or something. And I was like, I'm going to send this guy a message to see what happens, you know? And uh, I did. And he replied. And I was like, no shit. Okay. And then we met for the first time at that uh, that lecture event. I was with Christopher McIntosh, right, Damien? Uh, Persecution Pier- scholar. Pierce Morgan. Piers Vaughn. Piers Vaughn. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Piers Morgan. Much more respectable, Piers. Yeah. But yeah, we uh, we met there, and then we became fast friends, and started hanging out and talking about this stuff all the time, and doing things together, and shooting the shit. And yeah, it was it was I would say as paradigm shifting and life changing for me as it as he described it was for him. I can say that, Uh, uh, and he's one of my best friends in the world, and um, I'm just very happy to have met him and to know him and to be doing all this stuff together. It's wonderful. Oh, incredible. That's not only so heartwarming, but so just affirmative of how real magic is. And one of the things that I love about both of your stories is this like deep kind of like honing in and honoring of your intuition. Like Damien, even though you hadn't been practicing magic, like you were still, you know, like living it, you still were able to kind of honor that like nudge that this was going to be important. And Um, Aaron you were able to you know like have that premonition of this person being important in your life which is like I think you know maybe somebody who's not spiritual or not connected to their own kind of magic like might think that that's just like a weird coincidence but it's like when you do the work these kinds of things happen all the time and it seems like you have a lot of that kind of 
overlap in your friendship and in your magical partnership. And obviously it has evolved enough over the years to have you guys start this magical school, Magnum Opus. So I would just love to know, like, how did that come to be? Is it whose idea was it? Just like, how did this kind of friendship evolve? And actually before we get there, like, when did you guys start doing magic together? Like, what was that experience like? And how did that kind of, um, you know, cement that you were magical partners in this way? I think, I can't even remember when we first started. It's, it's yeah. always, you know, it was almost like something we never really planned on. It's yeah. just things that just sort of organically flow and happen. You know, like I can remember, for example, uh, one time, you know, the first thing that comes to my, the top of my head, we went to a fundraiser. There was um, a guy on death row in Texas, and a bunch of people had been, you know, trying to get the word out about his case and trying to raise awareness and raise funds to pay for, uh, you know, legal fees and stuff like that. And I was asked, would I come and speak at it? So I reached out to Aaron and to another friend of ours. Uh, you know, we were all three in New York at the time. And, you know, this guy will also be with us at the retreat uh, in in New York. But we, I, you know, I said, would y'all come with me to this thing? And they were like, sure, okay. They were just going to come for moral support. And then we ended up actually uh, doing ritual work there. You know, they had like a, a little altar set up for the guy on death row, just so that people could leave offerings that represented, mm -hmm. you know, like love and energy and yeah. positivity and stuff like that to hopefully have some sort of influence on his case. And I can remember we ended up, you know, charging things. We didn't, you know, plan on doing it or anything else. It just sort of organically happened. Mm -hmm. We started charging items to leave um, on, on the shrine there. And it was always stuff like that. You know, usually yeah. it was not big rituals that we ever planned on doing it was almost all you know I'll, I'll tell you one of my favorite times that we ever did magic together uh once again it was me aaron and and the third friend of ours uh, we went to dinner one night i was still living in harlem at the time and we all three went to dinner and we were sitting there and we spent a couple hours in this place and we're just talking having dinner having a few drinks whatever and we get ready to leave and when, whenever the check comes, I told Aaron and the third friend of ours, I said, look, I'm going to, I'm going to pay this check, but I want y'all to do magic with me right now, sitting at this table for the intention that this money comes back to me tenfold. Mm. So that's what we all did. We did that sitting there at the table. The, the check came to something like $150. Mm -hmm. I pay the check. We all three do magic using like the receipt as, as our focus. Mm -hmm. And within a month after that dinner, I ended up getting a contract from a Spanish publisher who wanted to translate one of my books into Spanish and publish it. And they were going to give me exactly $1,500, 10 times the amount, you know, it did return to me 10 times what the the cost of it was mm -hmm. exactly like we did the ritual work for incredible incredible man i forgot about all these things <laughs> I, forgot, I, I totally i don't know it might be the weed resin on my brain or something but you know i i completely forgot about that and the uh when we went to that thing that we were doing magic there i think uh to your point i mean we used to do things like that so often and spontaneously pretty much every time we hung out we did something like that mm-hmm you know, uh, like the time we went to the cloisters. That's I was uh, thinking that same thing. Yeah. Tell tell us more. Tell us more. I love a I love a cloister moment. 
what happened there? Yeah, so we, we went there just with the intention of kind of walking around and enjoying the exhibits and, you know, seeing the sights. But then it turned into a whole exercise of magic, if you will, and, mm-hmm. um, and a discussion on the relics that were contained uh, within the cloisters, a lot of yeah. the artifacts, rather, that were there in the cloisters and um, kind of using them, kind of uh, using them magically in a way, in the same way that, like, the Orthodox use icons in the Orthodox yeah. Christian tradition, kind of like that. And actually, I believe we did approach a few icons and tapestries mm-hmm. and use them in this way as well. But yeah. uh, we were walking around to different fonts and blessing ourselves with the water and, and blessing each other with the water. And, and, yeah, it just turned into a whole magical adventure once oh, we got there. But that. it wasn't planned. It was yeah. it was entirely spontaneous. Yeah. And that's a, that's one of the things I, I love just like hearing these stories. It's, you know, like there's a time and a place for like the planetary magic, the daily magic, the hourly magic, you know, like working with the sun and the moon. But like to me, magic is such a creative force and it's mm-hmm. such like an alive artistic force that when you have that feeling and when it's just there and you let it flow, it's like so fucking powerful. And yes. I, I love that it's something that is just woven in between like it's just woven through your guys's connection it's yes. really beautiful yeah and even you know the when he's talking about the cloisters and conversations we had then then like one of the things we were talking about was like how when you want like fine beautiful amazing meaningful things in your life you have to go to places where you're surrounded by those kinds mm-hmm. of things you know, that's what we were kind of talking about while we were there, like in the midst of all these icons and pieces of religious art and, you know, things that make you feel awe at the beauty of them. And that was another one of those times when it completely changed the trajectory of my life, like that conversation. After we had that conversation, I spent the next straight year going almost every single day to almost every cathedral in new york city Mm -hmm. where i would go and just look at the architecture the stained glass windows sometimes just sit in these places and meditate or charge candles and light them on the the little votive candle Mm -hmm. offerings they do in there like i would go to these places just to kind of uh practice you know one of the things we we talk about with people in magnum opus is um my mind's going blank what's the word incubation Like where you spend, you know, time in the presence of sacred artifacts or in, you know, places where, you know, energy has accumulated because Mm -hmm. people have like spent, you know, all of their energy and their minds are focused purely on divinity. and, And that's the sort of energy that saturates places like that. And if you spend time in those places, it's kind of like you're absorbing the energy of it and it ends up having effects and and changing your consciousness in ways Mm -hmm. so even us just having that conversation you know that set me off on an adventure that would last the next entire year of my life and then even after that year you know we were talking about stuff like this again and i realized you know it's not just cathedrals and churches where you can find this energy it's also museums Mm -hmm. and i ended up doing the same thing at the met you know you've got an egyptian temple in there and a sumerian temple in there and you know tons of gift shop (laughs) 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 but i ended up you know not only going in there but also taking on a new job like i ended up doing tours for the next year leading people through the met yep just based on that conversation i love it And yeah, I mean, I grew up Jewish. I obviously have like a different connection to, you know, 
churches and stuff but i still love going into any place of worship like churches cathedrals like you said like to me beauty is one of the languages or the language of the divine and just Mm -hmm. being in that space where you're surrounded by this you know art and this expanse that like you said has housed so many people's devotion and love and belief like i feel like if you're any kind of energetically aware you walk into a space like that and you feel it yes so you had all these adventures together you met in this really kind of like i don't know synchronous way how did you when did you guys start discussing like working together and teaching i had been for it was kind of you know once again just something that happened organically like there was never a, a solid plan for any of this sort of stuff it all just sort of you know, organically evolved and came into being. And I think it started, like the first step in the process would have probably been with me doing Patreon. Yeah. And, you know, doing classes and stuff on Patreon. And, you know, eventually just reaching a point where I realized I can't do this by myself anymore. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's too much. It's too overwhelming. But it was more than just needing help. It was... Because in a lot of ways, uh, Aaron fills in the gaps in my own experiences and education. You know, it's like Mm. we complement each other in in so many different ways. You know, for example, like most of what I know has been completely, you know, self-taught stuff I learned through trial and error, kind of having to figure it out as I went along. Whereas for him, you know, he belongs to several different orders, everything from the Masons to uh, an alchemical order. So he had had like the traditional Mm -hmm. kind of upbringing or education, you know, like, like people in old school magic did like, you know, the original Golden Dawn. So it was like, we came at this from different ends of the spectrum and filled in so many blanks and, you know, just kind of, matched up perfectly so it was almost like we made one whole person uh to to do this yeah um okay so damien i know you're a sagittarius aaron i have to ask what is your sign aquarius (gasps) me too i love it excellent incredible (laughs) yeah we got sagittarius and aquarius we got along famously love being independent love our own perspective love adventure and love knowledge which i can totally see just from your conversations that you guys both have this yearning to learn and are um horny for knowledge like i am um aaron can you tell us a little bit about like your experience kind of starting the school and how you know like what it meant for you to kind of join damien in this beautiful journey yeah so um you know as he already mentioned i uh i kind of got my start with these things i actually got my start in eastern religions and eastern Mm -hmm. traditions esoteric traditions when i was a teenager um, but the guy who I had met, who was at the time a Buddhist monk, he was a Theravada monk in the Thai forest tradition, he could tell that it really wasn't jiving with me after yeah. years of trying to do like puja and, and yeah. various tantric rituals in the Nath Sampradaya. Uh, he was like, listen, man, I can tell you still like Jesus and you still like the Western stuff. So read this. <laughs> and he gave me the Corpus Hermeticum. Mm-hmm. And I think that was when I was maybe 19. And uh, that kind of set me off. That, once I read that, I was like, okay, this is what I was looking for. Yeah. So uh, as Damien already mentioned, eventually I ended up uh, finding a few orders. The one that I stuck with the, the most, and I'm still a member of, 
uh, is an order called the Sodalitas Rosa Crucis, which is out of Stockholm, Sweden. It was founded in Scandinavia, and it is a working within the paradigm of the Golden Dawn tradition, mm -hmm. but it's not a Golden Dawn order in that mm -hmm. it's, uh, insofar as it uses that framework, but it's far more practical and the emphasis is on practice and on practical ritual magic and theurgy. From the, from the outset, from the jump, you're really doing advanced work from the jump. And it took me about 12 years to get through that whole uh, order, but I'm still wow. a member in the inner order. It takes most people that long uh, if yeah. they're doing the work because it's just it, it's it's like uh, the founder often compares it to getting your master's degree in Western esotericism. I don't yeah. know if I'd go that far, but I know what he means from a yeah. practical standpoint. But um, so as Damien mentioned, I that was my background It's like really this, this kind of formal training within the purview of an organization and several actually. But that one was. I would say the most important of all the orders that I've belonged to over the years. And uh, so getting the opportunity, the, when he approached me about this, it was kind of the perfect time in my life. Uh, just a serious, not to go too deep into it, but there was a series of circumstances that just seemed to line up. And this was just a perfect opportunity for me and for him. And I knew it was the right time to do this. We'd been trying to collaborate on something like this for a very long time but it just never quite panned out i wasn't in a position at that point in my life or he was doing other things whatever it might have been but this was just perfect timing so i uh, i jumped right in and we just kind of were off to the races after the first class and we were very happy with the results it went better than we both expected and we've now fleshed out a pretty comprehensive curriculum that the students are following. We're approaching one year, correct? Of, yeah. of the course. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, and, and basically the, the layout or the curriculum is essentially working within the framework of the Golden Dawn mm -hmm. in that we're, we're taking them through the, uh, they're working with the four elements, they're working with the seven planets, they're working with the 12 constellations of the Zodiac. Um, and and invoking these forces and these powers so that they can ultimately transform themselves, which is really the the entire basis of, of something like the Golden Dawn, obviously. But everybody, all the students are really taking to it. I mean, I have, uh, I've had conversations with these students where they're doing, they're more diligent and more focused in their practical work than 90% of people in organizations or orders. Yeah. Most of the, not, I, I don't want to single anyone out or denigrate them, but most of the time within those organizations, I think a lot of people have these projections of them. Like uh, I certainly mm -hmm. did when I first joined a few of these things, uh, that these are stock, chock full of people who are, you know, really focused on uh, union with deity, mm -hmm. a union with the divine. And that's not, often the case. A lot of people join these for different reasons. Some aren't as altruistic as we'd like to think. Yeah. Um, and some people do it because they want to feel special or they mm -hmm. want to feel like they belong to something that makes them feel superior to others or they want to you know, just play dress up and they're, you know, I know several people that are into LARPing and uh, they got into it for that. I swear to God, you know, so and, and it doesn't matter, you know, quite frankly, yeah. whatever brings someone to this, this path, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't really matter as long as they are transformed by it. Mm -hmm. um, and as long as they are approaching that indwelling divinity, 
through the work and through the practice. But surprisingly enough, a lot of these people in our course are far more diligent and, and harder on themselves for not doing the work when they're not yeah. doing it than, than people I've encountered in a lot of different organizations over the years. Yeah, I understand that. I feel like um, what's kind of stopped me from like officially, you know, joining anything like that is like the hierarchy of it all mm -hmm. and just like the egos that get involved. Mm -hmm. um, I was pretty involved with 22 Teachings, which is a school of magic out in L.A. that um, is wonderful. And it's like very, you know, like non-hierarchical, like it's kind of come and go as you are. And, I, you know, for some people that works better. And it sounds like you guys kind of have a mix of like your perspectives that you're able to kind of bring the best of both worlds, like having the structure for students where there is a curriculum, there is, you know, like goals that they can achieve themselves, but it's not like the kind of ego of like you know we all know the stories of the golden dawn and the big egos clashing and all that mm -hmm. um so is the school like it sounds like it's kind of non-hierarchical like what is the the structures are kind of like an outer order and inner order is it kind of not like that at all um and also i know that um damien you've talked about it on your patreon which is also a really great resource for anybody listening we will link in the notes um but is there like a physical school or just, yeah, I would love the, all the details you guys are willing to share. There's not a physical school. We've okay. actually talked about it, like the, the pros and cons of, yeah. you know, a brick and mortar location. And it just honestly seems kind of like in this day and age, yeah. the way technology has developed, it almost seems like, you know, you don't really need it anymore. Yeah, I agree. You, you know, you can, I mean, it's, it's good to be able to come together at certain times. Of course. You know, especially for like celebratory purposes or whatever. You know, we, we work with about seven groups of people and, and then we've started recently bringing all the groups together for, you know, big, to mark big occasions like the solstices and the equinoxes, mm -hmm. you know, like to do some sort of big group working. But for the most part, um, it's all, uh, you know, through the internet or it's all through Zoom or Skype or I forget which one it even is that we use. It's Zoom. Yeah. Zoom. <laughs> yep. We meet uh, once a month. It is not hierarchical at mm -hmm. all. It's pretty much, you know, and, and we always approach this also, you know, we definitely don't want to get involved in this from like an ego perspective. So we don't go in like, you know, we're these great teachers and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's pretty much like, look, here's the work that we did. Here's what brought us to the points that we are at in our lives. Here's what made a difference in our growth and development. Here are the things, you know, that had explosive effects on, you know, our spiritual journey mm -hmm. here's how we did them here's how we found them here's how you can do them and then it's up to the people themselves to decide you know to to what extent they're going to commit themselves to this working but it's not like you're ever going to you know get an f or fail or yeah. you know any of that it's like we just try to present them with things that have made a difference in our lives tell them how we did it how we came across it and you know, to the best of our ability, answer their questions and, you know, give them a helping hand to, to do the work themselves. But really, that's what it all comes down to. It's It doesn't matter what order you belong to or what school you go to or who your mentor is or, or any of those things. Ultimately, it's going to come down to how much are you willing to put into this personally? Like it's it, it all comes down to being on you. We can't give you, we can't give you enlightenment or, you know, 
any of those sorts of things. All of that is entirely, you know, on on you and mm-hmm. how much you want it and how much you're willing to, you know, put these things to work in your own life. And there's no right or wrong answer. You know, it's up to every mm-hmm. person how deeply they want to go into this work. And we just try to be as helpful as we can for those who um, are on this journey. Yeah. I love it. And I feel like I'm, um, Aaron, I'm a little bit less familiar with like your work teaching, but Damien, I know, and obviously if you work together, I know this is true for both of you, but you do a really, really wonderful job of like making this stuff accessible and ceremonial magic, high magic specifically, I feel like is difficult to really get into you know like on your own without a teacher and I just really admire the work you guys are doing like sharing this and like democratizing it without this kind of like I need to be the star of it it's like no like these are things that have helped us and we're paying it forward and it like brings us joy to see people advancing and knowing themselves in this like really deep and profound way Mm -hmm. yeah I appreciate that and I I think you nailed it when you said like the simplifying of, of these types of things because I think think that there's a lot of unnecessary obfuscation that occurs mm-hmm. within the world of the esoteric and the occult Definitely. and a lot of grandiose verbosity that is just <laughs> frankly unnecessary and yeah. i mean if you read you know uh crowley obviously but uh, any number of the of the authors from the 19th century or even alchemical literature for that matter mm-hmm. going all the way back to the late middle ages it's very very obscure and in those days when the inquisition was still in effect it's understandable yeah, but when we're when we get into the 19th century and the late 18th century it just is posturing at a certain point and i think that's one thing that damien and i share is the conviction that these things should and can be distilled down to the simplest of terms mm-hmm. that one of the things that has always frustrated me about the western mystery tradition is that you'll use a symbolic term to qualify another symbolic term to qualify another symbolic term to qualify this you know, it's just absurd when yeah. when people and people get lost in the minutiae of gematria and various Kabbalistic elaborations, and they miss the bigger picture, which is this is about transforming oneself uh, to the point where, or really solvate coagula. It's Mm -hmm. dissolve and coagulate over and over and over until you finally, or rather the vitriol formula of alchemy. You know, visit the interior of, of the earth, and through rectification or purification, you will find the hidden stone, which lies within you. That's ultimately mm-hmm. the message of that axiom. And so many people miss that. They miss that bigger picture. This is what it's all about. And this is a pursuit and an objective that is shared across every great esoteric or exoteric spiritual tradition, for that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, always, however that's termed. I always, you know, honestly, the, the thing that I try to explain to people or express to people is I don't have anything to say about magic that someone somewhere hasn't already said and probably far more eloquently than I ever could but what my aim has always been to do was to you know like like Aaron was just saying you know when I was a kid coming in contact with some of these things like Israel Regarde's Black Brick you know, you open that up. And, and this was one of the things that Aaron said to me one time about how the first time he ever found that book when he was a kid, he opened it up. And it's like trying to read an alien language. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it was like for me. So all I've ever kind of tried to do, what I set out to do when I started writing about magic was not necessarily to add anything new to this, you know, body of 
work or literature or, or spiritual tradition, but just to take the things that I wish someone would have explained to me in a very mm-hmm. simple way when I was a kid and break them down so that, you know, people from my background can, can understand them. You know, I dropped out of school when I was in ninth grade, never even went to high school, grew up in a trailer park and uh, abject poverty. You know, I didn't have a classical education, mm-hmm. uh, you know, anything that would allow me to understand this stuff. And I wish someone back then would have broken it down in a way that I could understand it. So what I'm trying to do now or what I was trying to do when I was writing books on magic is write what I wished I could have found back when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, you're helping a lot of people actually get into this stuff and understand. Because I had, I had the same experience with like Kabbalah. I remember picking up um, the mystical Kabbalah by Dion Fortune and reading it and be like, literally, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Like, I did not understand it. Um, and I was actually just talking to Naha, who runs 22 Teachings, and I was like, it took me at least a year of like, even just like studying with a teacher to like, kind of understand the tree of life like it took it takes a while to absorb this information but Mm -hmm. it's so helpful when you have somebody like laying it out in layman's terms and not like you know like again i understand like censorship like when crowley was writing like they couldn't talk about sex magic so he's talking about killing babies which is really like ejaculating like Mm -hmm. but just kind of fun but also just like i you know i understand Mm -hmm. that but like nowadays we don't really need to be doing that and i think that this work that you guys are doing is just gonna help so many people um not only like understand magic but live it because one of the things that i feel with western with the western mysteries is it's very much like logical in in the mind and it's like at the end of the day magic is experienced it's felt it's embodied and i feel like you guys are really like you know honoring the knowledge of all of this stuff honoring like the the you know honoring it while also like being like it's not actually that serious you can like experience it and even just you you guys both sharing about how you met and the synchronicities and the kinds of magic you guys are doing like those are such powerful examples of how to truly live magic and i think that's so much more powerful than yeah doing a a ritual once a month it's like the whole point of in my opinion magic or witchcraft or the occult is to have it be a lens that you live your life and i think that both of you guys and magnum opus are just doing such a good job of that i really admire it and am grateful that you know this next generation doesn't have to sort those sort through so many books to just kind of try to understand one sentence that you are laying out for them because it's like you know i understand that the gatekeeping back in the day but at the end of the day if you have like you said like this yearning or this desire or this inkling to know about magic or to study it or to live it or to practice it like in my opinion that's all that's all the invitation you need to walk through the door like so i'm very grateful for you guys yes thank you and um, going back to what you were saying, Aaron, about, you know, this kind of like alchemical transformation that magic can move you through. You guys have a retreat coming up in October called Unveiling Your Holy Guardian Angel, which focuses on initiation, spiritual alchemy, and of course, your HGA. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the intention of this retreat? And um, I know that it's like sold out in person, but you're still offering virtual tickets. So would love to just hear about that. Sure. So, um, we, Damon and I had talked about doing this, uh, principally for a lot of the magnum opus students, but mm-hmm. opening it up to whomever 
chooses to attend. And uh, to our surprise, it did sell out in like 48 hours. I honestly thought it was going to be, I told Damien, I was like, I think we're going to get like 15, 20 people at this thing, you know, just like <laughs> God only knows what's going to happen. But uh, luckily it did sell out very quickly, but we are offering a live stream. For anybody who wants to attend virtually, we will have the entire thing live streamed and you will have a link sent to you and a recording of the event. So, um, but yeah, the, the point of this is really because we knew that a lot of people who aren't involved in the course are going to attend this to give them something that a series of practices or rather a regimen of practice to establish a communication and perpetual contact with their HGA so that they can, moving forward in their lives, always use these practices until mm -hmm. they die, essentially. Um, and to that end, we're bringing in one of my mentors and teachers, the founder of that order I was talking about mm -hmm. earlier, the SRC, uh, Tommy Westland, and his partner, Katarina Falkenberg, who both of them run uh, the Alchemy Academy in Stockholm, Sweden. And uh, this guy, you know, I've learned more from this man <clears throat> than probably any other uh, person that I've, I've studied under over the years that I've been doing this. Um, God, I hate saying that out loud because I know he's going to hear that and smile and I always want to just give him as much <laughs> shit as possible. You know? But um, No, but uh, he's great and Katarina is wonderful and they're going to bring something to the table that Damien and I won't. So mm -hmm. it's going to be this uh, beautiful collaboration between all four of us to give people as much as we can that they can take home with them and then seek to establish and make that contact with their guardian angel. Um, so this is something that, again, like even if they're not doing the course, even if they, they're not following along with everything that we're giving the students in the Magnum Opus course, they can still go home and have these practices mm -hmm. for the rest of their lives because the one of the great misconceptions of the whole concept of the Holy Guardian Angel in the, in the world of the occult is that it's this kind of one-and-done type mm -hmm. of uh, operation, that you do the Abra Melon, you do the Magia Divina, and uh, it's over. Like, you, you've done it, cool. I've now I now have knowledge and conversation, I'm done. And mm -hmm. the truth is, is it's that it's much deeper than that, much richer than that. And it's, I liken it to, this is kind of a crude analogy, but it's kind of like when you pick up a book and you're 15 years old, and this book makes an impact on you, and it's really profound to you at 15. Then you pick it up again at 25, and it's even more profound. You see things in the book and in the text that you never even noticed before, mm -hmm. and then you pick it up again 10 years later, and so on and so forth. This is what it's like uh, working with the Holy Guardian Angel. It's not something that is meant to be, that is finite necessarily, that is stagnant. It's something that you're meant to do in perpetuity for the rest of mm -hmm. your life to deepen that that connection and, and allow that power to guide you uh, and i don't want to get into what the holy guardian angel is necessarily uh, i don't even think we're really going to address that in the retreat because uh, that immediately puts various concepts into the heads of the uh, attendees or the mm -hmm. students and i think that's a, a great danger i think a lot of authors have made that mistake of saying it's this and it's that well you know, I think that people need to find out for themselves yeah. and, and really discover for themselves what that is, because it, the experience of that is so incredibly profound and, and beautiful that I wouldn't want to spoil it by creating expectations uh, in people. 
But anyway, so it's going to be a three-day retreat. We're doing it in Sugarloaf, New York, which is in the Hudson Valley. And this place is really beautiful. It's got a 400-year-old history of witchcraft yeah. and the occult here. Yeah. And uh, the place where we're actually holding the retreat was once the property of Kurt Seligman, who was a surrealist, a Swiss surrealist uh, painter and wow. occult author. He was a magician and an alchemist. And the actual space where we're doing everything is the space in which he did all of his occult work, all of his rituals and alchemical experiments and, and painting. So um, it, it's just kind of this place that is, is it's really beautiful. Just it's a uh, beautiful environment surrounded by natural beauty. And it's also very much charged with this kind of uh, magical energy. Mm-hmm. So uh, it should be a wonderful experience for everybody. Uh, we certainly hope it will be. And we're both looking forward to it. And I would just throw in kind of one of the things that we're hoping for. Um, you know, you can't really force this sort of thing to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always sort of been like what I said, divine intervention or happened organically. But like back when I was talking about how like every time we've met, you know, like now I live in New Orleans. Uh, Aaron lives in upstate New York. You know, we're quite a distance away. But, you know, used to even when we would meet in person fairly often, it it was never you know, we never came together for just like chit chatting or bullshitting, mm-hmm. you know, just for no reason, just just hanging out. Like any time we met, like I said, something of consequence would come of it in some way, even if we didn't plan on it. It always just seemed like every time we came together, you know, as, as crazy as it sounds, it's like it was almost also something else present too. Yeah. You know, something that, that contributed to both of our growth and development and sent us off on different, you know, journeys and things like this. It, it, something amazing always came out of every single time that we came together. So doing this retreat, kind of what we was hoping, kind of what we are hoping, is that the same thing will happen again for this, that we're coming mm-hmm. together, and this time not just us, but many other people, and that hopefully that that same divine energy will do what it's always done to us or for us and send people off on some sort of amazing journey where they're going to learn all sorts of things and experience all sorts of things that may they may not even be planning on. That's our yeah. hope. Yeah, I have I have no doubt. And even just being where you're going to be and being in that man's space and like just knowing the magic of all the people that are going to be there like it's going to be a really powerful experience and I love that you guys are offering a live stream um that's incredible and I think that's like just so accessible it's a really you know magic of the internet being able to do magic with people across the world is such a gift so I love that um and I love that you guys are going to offer that do you plan on offering more retreats or is this kind of like the one I'm honestly thinking this might very well be my last retreat. You know, yeah. I've kind of like I've done a lot of different things in my mm-hmm. life since I've been out of prison. You know, I did visual art for a while, did, uh, you know, art shows all over mm-hmm. the U.S. and other countries. And then one day I woke up and I just felt like, you know what? I've kind of said everything I wanted to yeah. say through this medium. Yeah. And I'm going to stop because if I keep on. I'm just going to be repeating myself and I'm going to be stagnating. 
And it was kind of the same way with writing. I went through the same thing with writing. You know, don't get me wrong, writing books on magic ever since I was a child, that was like a dream come true for me. You know, yeah. who is it? Who who's in the you know interested in magic that doesn't daydream or fantasize about one day I could actually write a book on mm -hmm. magic? So that was something that that came to pass in my life that was literally the fulfillment of a lifelong dream. But I also reached a point after the third book where I felt like, okay, I may not have said everything I know, and, and I may be leaving out all kinds of stuff, but I've said enough where people who are really hungry for this and who are really into this, they're going to be able to figure out the rest for themselves mm. if they take this stuff and, and put it into place. So there's no reason for me to, you know, keep writing books i just I've, i felt like okay through writing about magic in these books once again i've reached a point where i've said everything that i have to say or everything that i feel like is necessary for me to say through this venue I, mm -hmm. i've done that all throughout my life you know i yeah. i throw myself completely and wholeheartedly into things and i wring all the growth and development that i possibly can out of those things and then i move on to the next thing and sort of become a new person mm -hmm. you know just become reborn and i feel that way even you know i've done a lot of retreats mostly in california mm -hmm. you know through joshua tree stuff mm -hmm. like that um but i just felt like and, and even when i did the last one in joshua tree i thought i think this might be my last one yeah but when this opportunity presented itself, you know, us doing this together, this is the craziest thing, not only with the school and, you know, the retreat, but before I left New York, probably four years ago, I did, you know, several days consecutively, I started doing ritual work with the intention of, you know, bringing something to pass so that Aaron and I would be able to work together in mm. some capacity. And it was like it it just felt like it didn't happen. You know, it just fizzled out. Yeah. He moved to upstate New York. I moved to New Orleans and I thought, oh, well, it must be one of those things that just yeah. for whatever reason was not meant to be. And I let go of it. I stopped mm -hmm. thinking about it. And of course, as soon as you release it, you know, a lot of times yep. in magic, that's what has to happen mm -hmm. before something comes to pass. It's like you have to let go of it. And sure enough, as soon as I stopped focusing on it, that's when we start working on the school and that's when we start doing the retreat. But I just... You know, I'm reaching a time in my life when I just kind of feel like the in-person retreats, I feel like I've done as much mm -hmm. as I can, as, as I want to do into them. Like, if I kept doing them, I would be kind of stagnating. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm, I'm probably not going to be doing um, a lot of in-person teaching like that. And I hate even saying that. You know, I always say I'm not a teacher i do not want that title yeah. you know th that's that's not a label i want applied to me i don't want people to look at me that way all of that sort of stuff but i don't really know any other word to use you know talking about teaching um but i just kind of feel like i've reached the point in person where i've done what i needed to do yeah i totally understand i feel like it's like almost like fulfilling your karma for a specific vision you know yes. and I, that's also to me very Sagittarian all the Sagittarius I know are like you know not to say like what is it um uh jack of all trades master of none because you are a master at many trades but you are so guided by this knowledge that it's like once you feel like 
you've you've fulfilled that kind of you know role that it's on to the next thing and also i you are a teacher but you're also a student which is what makes you such a good teacher you're never you know you you're constantly learning which is makes the best teachers so but i understand i understand um you know that's what they say about sagittarius they say they're the worst sign of the zodiac for starting things (laughs) and then just walking away in the middle of yeah Yeah. You know, but you're living in integrity. And I think that leading by example is the best way to, you know, to be a teacher, or to just be a leader of any kind. You're, you know, like if you weren't doing something that felt aligned or embodied and you were, you were, or if you were still doing something that didn't feel aligned or embodied and, you know, we're teaching people like, you don't, you know, you don't want your students to do that. You don't want to, that just, that's not magic. So I, I think that it's you being honest and vulnerable and stepping away from the things that aren't, you know, in alignment for the moment and honoring that maybe they'll cut, you'll come back to it. Maybe not. Like, I think that's a really good kind of precedent to set for the people that are taking your courses and are kind of, you know, like learning from you. Yeah. That's kind of the way I feel. You know, I, I try to refrain from saying, you know, ever coming out and saying, I absolutely will not ever do something yeah. again. Or, you know, like right now, I have no intentions of ever writing another book on magic. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, I feel like I've finished with that. I've done what I, but at the same time, it was like my grandmother used to say when I was a kid, never name the well from which you will not drink. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, as soon as you say, I'm not going to do something, life has a way of doing something that makes you eat those words. Yeah. So, you know, Man proposes, God disposes. You never know what the future is going to bring. Um, mm-hmm. But right now, that that's kind of the way I feel. Will you continue to teach with Magnum Opus? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. of course. You know these awesome. these the the people in Magnum Opus have you know these are people who've put a lot of faith and trust and everything else into us. You know these yeah. are people who uh, are supporting us and showing us a tremendous amount of. Uh, love and you know who like Aaron was saying a while ago are just really on fire and hungry for this work Mm -hmm. and and who are doing it and it's honestly it's an honor to be able to you know help people that are doing stuff like that so yes absolutely you know we always tell them we've told them several times you know we're never just going to drop you and walk away you know we're we're here for as long as y'all want yeah I love it and Aaron will you kind of pick up the 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 not the slack but will you be doing you think you'll be doing um retreats and stuff you're going to kind of stick to teaching with magnum opus or what's your vision you know i i don't know i mean we'll see how this one goes if it's a total disaster then no but if it's a good (laughs) success absolutely Um, i mean i i i honestly don't know i would be totally open to that where i stand right now i'd be open to that um, I've got a lot on my plate, uh, generally speaking, yeah. but if, if this goes well and Tommy and Katarina want to do this in the future, I mean, to be honest, uh, people should be on the lookout for this because they're trying to basically bring their Alchemy Academy to the States oh, awesome. and translate all their materials into English. I and, uh, that friend of ours who Damien mentioned earlier, uh, co-translated their book from Swedish into English and Incredible. no... I don't speak Swedish at all. 
at all. It's a, it's, I, no, I'm terrible with it. But we just used various uh, types of software and then sent it back and forth, and Tommy would refine it, and Katarina would refine it, and then we'd touch it up a bit as far as grammar and whatnot. But anyway, they're going to uh, start doing courses and retreats here in the States, and they do these really wonderful excursions where they go to various sacred sites around Europe. Um, they've done all of these in Swedish, in Swedish up to this point, but they want to start doing these tours in English and bringing people to, you know, Carcassonne and uh, Languedoc in southern France and bring them to uh, different parts of England where there are cathedrals and various sacred alchemical sites, in other words. And, uh, yeah, so that that's their plan is to kind of, this will be a catalyst for them doing all of this in English. So Beautiful. if they're going to do that, I might assist them. But mm -hmm. right now, I don't know. I'm just, I'm looking forward to this one retreat. It's something that Damien and I have talked about for a while. And I think it's going to, it's going to be great. Uh, yeah, if it goes well, maybe so. But who knows? I'm Beautiful. open. I'm open to it. Yeah. I mean, it's also a big question. You know, I feel like it's kind of hard to plan. But at least for me, I'm like, I've got the next few months kind of figured out. Like, besides that, I will have to see where the winds take me and what the yes. universe wants. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. I understand. Um, for Magnum Opus, is that like if are you guys accepting new students? Is it on a rolling basis? Do you have to apply? Like if somebody's listening to this and interested, how can they get involved with that? Well, what we're kind of doing right now is taking everybody through, uh, you know, this, this curriculum that we've come up with. It's, you know, sort of based on we're, we're taking them, uh, you know, kind of through the, the journey of the levels of ceremonial magic, starting mm -hmm. with elemental and then moving into planetary and then zodiacal. And once we've taken everybody through that whole thing, it's like, you know, you'll have everything that you need to keep doing this work. You know, yeah. you'll have, even if you haven't, you know, exhausted the entire path, you'll at least have an understanding of the path and we'll be able to take it and, you know, use it over and over and over. Put yourself through this process repeatedly, just like you're doing, you know, well, not even just like, but it's, it's like you are putting yourself through the alchemical process by mm -hmm. going through this work. So people will be able to do that. And once we've given everybody all the steps that they need, then what we want to do is start over from scratch with an entire new group. Um, and normally, like, like right now, we are completely filled up. Um, but usually what, ha and, and also with the, the stuff that we teach people or the stuff that we're giving people in Magnum Opus, I, a lot of times give people like abbreviated versions of it on mm -hmm. Patreon, yeah. you know, like, like simplified stuff that they can do that'll allow them to at least get a toehold into mm -hmm. some of, some of this work. So usually uh, uh, the plan right now, what we'll do, um, you know, I usually announce it through Patreon. I'll say, okay, we're getting ready to start you know, a new cycle. If you want to be part of the Magnum Opus groups and do the curriculum, take on the work, contact us. We're starting a new cycle on such and such a date. But the vast majority of the people uh, that come to it now have come to it through Patreon. Yeah. You know, they were people who were already working with me on there. Got it. So, yes, we'll make sure to link on there. And if, so people want to kind of be involved with Magnum Opus, subbing to the Patreon is like the, the best way to kind of, I mean, also you just share wonderful information, but the, the yeah. best way to get um, kept up to date. Yeah, we. I, I tried to make 
the people on there like my top priority in everything. You know, like even when we announced we were going to do this retreat, like we let the people on Patreon know far in advance of ever announcing it publicly because we figure, you know, these are people showing support and love Mm -hmm. and generosity and everything else. So we want them to have the first crack at everything. And then if there's something left over, then we open it up to other people. Got it. Um, And okay, so beautiful. We'll make sure to link there. People can keep updated with that. But before we wrap up, I do want to just ask you guys each this question. Mm -hmm. If people listening to this podcast want to, you know, leave and start a daily practice with magic of any kind, what do you feel like is a good place to start? Like, what is your like kind of foundational suggestion for people looking to connect with this sort of kind of tradition you want to go first Aaron? yeah uh, i i I mean this is kind of an academic answer in a way but Mm -hmm. i would say if you're just getting your feet wet the best place to start would be with some of the more approachable rituals found in the golden dawn system Mm -hmm. so like the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram the lesser banishing ritual of the hexagram the middle pillar ritual and the rose cross ritual and the reason for this is that these rituals especially the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram encompass the entirety of the opus uh this is very difficult to explain succinctly but fundamentally you know crowley said that the lbrp is the philosopher's stone mm. and ultimately it is because what it's indicating is exactly what's meant to be done in the magnum opus, in the great work. What you're meant to accomplish is symbolically indicated within the ritual and enacted by the magician as they're doing this ritual. So it's much more than this kind of warding ritual that a lot of people describe it as. A lot of people say like, oh, it's a a way to protect oneself or to purify a space or, of course, this is the this is one of the benefits of it and one of the byproducts of it but i would say this is the superficial meaning of it if you really unpack the symbols and all four of those rituals that i just mentioned they're all indicating the same fundamental idea they really are and uh and beyond that it's a way to for people to begin a practice that will make them more attuned to energy mm-hmm. and get them get the kind of wheels turning with a, a magical practice and you're not doing anything especially um cumbersome or or um what's the word i'm looking for uh difficult mm-hmm. by doing those rituals mm-hmm. i would agree 100 percent with all of that you know mm-hmm. those are the rituals that made a profound difference in my life you know not only is there like all of the the information that's like encoded in the symbolism of the rituals but it also has like, you know, like Aaron's just saying, so many practical, you know, applications or things that it does, you know, for example, one of them is doing these rituals tremendously increases your psychic intuition. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, when I say psychic intuition, I don't mean, you know, I'm not talking about like in one of those really bad horror movies where someone touches a knife and has a, you know, flash of everything that happened you know that sort of thing what i'm when i use the word or the phrase psychic intuition what i'm talking about is like your ability to perceive and work with 
subtle energies. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the side effects of doing those rituals is they dramatically over time increase your ability to perceive and work with subtle energies the same way that lifting weights gradually, you know, changes the shape of and increases, you know, your physical endurance. Mm -hmm. All of these rituals do the same thing to you. They're working on your energy body the same way physical exercise works on your physical body. And it it causes dramatic changes in in your consciousness, in your energy system. Um, So there's that. Uh, But what I would also say is don't, don't, shy away from things that people think aren't cool you know mm-hmm. there, there's this certain thing this a lot of people in the occult world or the magic world or whatever it is think you can only read like cool stuff like you can you should only read crowley or you mm-hmm. know the golden dawn or whatever it is and for me you know like i was saying a lot of that stuff is really really hard to break yep. down and digest so don't be afraid of reading and studying things that will complement that work but that the rest of the world might not necessarily think is cool you know one of the things this is kind of one of the things i share in common with with matt Aaron. you know we Mm -hmm. were both really influenced by the work of silver ravenwolf yeah me too you know even though she doesn't write about ceremonial magic her work is still taking the basic concepts of ceremonial magic and showing you how to break them down and and do practical things with them you know use them in your everyday life to make changes in yourself your psyche the the you know material world that you're experiencing all of that sort of stuff that's kind of lacking sometimes in these ceremonial magic books you know they're all academic and heady and they don't go into okay it's fine it's great doing these rituals but how do I use this in some way to do what most people think of as magic, which is causing change in the world in some way? Mm-hmm. She is excellent at, at describing stuff like that. So don't shy away from things that might not be cool or trendy or seen as super esoteric. You know, it, it's you, you take what, what you need from whatever source you find it that's, that's going to help you progress along this path. Mm-hmm. Are you there? Yep. Okay, sorry. Yep. Cut off for a second. But yeah, no, I love it. Also, just like, to be honest, like people who aren't doing magic think we're all really silly. So it's like at the end of the day, who fucking cares what you read if it fuck if it supports you? I also like my path with witchcraft started with Silver Ravenwolf. So I love that shout out. And I, yeah, I think kind of, you know, and I think this is something that you've talked about too, Damien, is like looking outside of just like esoteric books to learn esoteric mm-hmm. things. You yes. Know? Yes, absolutely. A lot of wisdom in there. Yes, yes. You know, everything really, when it comes down to it, is magic. Art is magic. You know, go and immerse yourself in the art of the world. You know, going to museums, reading art books. There's nothing that in some way or another, if you dig deeply enough into it, there is nothing that will not add something to your knowledge or experience of magic in some way mm-hmm. if approached correctly yeah absolutely and i feel like following your passions and what inspires you and what lights you up is another way to find that you know whether absolutely. it's art or music yeah. or martial arts or whatever it is so i, I really love that 100 um, 
Well, is there anything else you guys want to share or you can just share maybe where people can find you, um, find Magnum Opus? I guess that's Patreon. But yeah, anywhere that you guys can be, um, anywhere that people can keep you up, keep up with you would be wonderful to know. Uh, for me, they can if they're interested in, in keeping up with things in the future, uh, they could go to DamianEccles.com and sign up for a newsletter. I don't put out newsletters nearly as often as I should, to be honest, maybe only once or twice a year. So you're not going to be bombarded with stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they could sign up for that or they can find me on Twitter or Instagram. I don't really do Facebook or any of that sort of thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and also on YouTube, uh, I do occasionally release videos to YouTube, um, so they can find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or Patreon. Beautiful. Yeah, uh, I would just add that we there is a site for the uh, for the re- the upcoming retreat. Yes, and I cannot remember the URL right I'll now. I'll link it. But, I'll link it. Uh, I've, yeah, I've been on it. I'll link it down below so people can find cool. it. Cool. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you guys talking to me. Thank you for this wonderful conversation. And yeah, I guess we'll see you at the retreat. We appreciate you. you. Yeah, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And we hope we did not bore the living hell out of it. Thank you guys so much for joining me and listening to this conversation. I hope it inspired you and lit a fire under your beautiful, beautiful behind to just go out and live your magic. If you want to keep up with Damien and Aaron, the best way to do that is to follow Damien on Patreon, where he shares a lot of the kinds of magic he shares through Magnum Opus. You can also find a lot of his beautiful conversations on YouTube. And I will link both of those things below. And as always, you can keep up with me by following me on threads and Instagram. And I'm so excited to announce that my newest book, Goddess Energy, Awakening the Divine Feminine Through Myth and Magic, is now up for pre-sale. This book comes out March 19th and it is such a huge offering for my heart. My connection with witchcraft and the divine feminine is intricately linked. I started worshiping the goddess when I started practicing witchcraft over 17 years ago now, which is bananas. So this book is really, really sacred to me and I hope you enjoy it. You can find the link to pre-order Goddess Energy below and you can find all of my other books, Inner Witch, Bewitching the Elements, Embody Your Magic, The Goddess of Love, Tarot, and Sacred Sex at those links below as well. If you want to learn how to work with the tarot erotically, you can take and sign up for my three-part series of classes called Perverting the Tarot. If you want to learn how to live in a realm of kinky self-seduction, you can take my class um, Self-Seduction Solo Kink for Healing and Self-Empowerment and you can sign up for my Patreon below as well. And make sure to check out Damien and Aaron's work and I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful you're here and I will see you next week.
Love, Lust, and Magic is produced by Zach Toman.